Good morning. May I ask you again to stand up for a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have. As we, Lord, continue to your word for the message of the book of Jonah, may we be blessed and please open our hearts and our mind, Lord, to, to accept and be open and listen to your word. Thank you, Lord, for the inspiration of this book. And, Lord, please, uh, may you be with us as, as we continue on this pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Jonah, chapter 2. How was the response from Jonah? when was, he was called to do a job that he, he was asked to do, and basically how we, as Christians as well, have to respond. It's a lesson learned, actually, from, from his life. This time, the last week, we discussed about Jonah running away from God. This time, he runs back to God. But before he did that, he had some things that happened in his life that changed everything. Still not familiar with this. Oops. We have some questions here that maybe we could look into. What was your favorite small hiding place as a child? I'm pretty sure some of us, or most of us here as a child, we would play hide and seek. And basically, we have a favorite place that nobody can find us. So what is that place? And how long could you stay there before you start you know, feeling claustrophobic? Who are claustrophobic here? Like, uh, you know, elevator, small places that you're afraid. And then, when have you ever felt the words, my whole life passed before my eyes and what happened? Like a remembrance of things that happened in the past. Another question is, in the ebb and flow of your life in the past years, when were you at low tide and when were you at high tide? And why the, you know, big moon swings? This is what Jonah's place is. Last week we had the words coast, commission, omission, admission, submission, and thanksgiving. I want to add two letters to that. Examination. Reformation, realization, and recommitment. All ours. It's now called coaster. We know what coasters are, right? You place something on it, it holds on to something. 
Jonah's prayer is really a prayer of thanksgiving, not a prayer of deliverance. Jonah was thankful that he had not drowned, delivered from the most sure death. I would feel it. I would understand it. I would relate to it because I don't know how to swim. And I'm proud of it. (laughs) Being in the fish, God heard Jonah. What does this connote? That we can pray anywhere, no matter what the situation is, where we are into, and God will surely hear or listen to us. Our sin is never too great. Our predicament never too difficult for God. Jonah's examination of the situation at that time was, you know, he was in distress. He was in the depths of the of grave. Casted into the deep, into the center seas. Those are his words. Taken in by the sea current. I mean, just feel those. Where you're in the middle of the ocean with all the storm. In the middle where in there are waves. There might not be a storm anymore, but the waves, I'm pretty sure, is there. Another examination of Jonah. As we take the word E from the coaster. He was banished from God's sight. Threatened by the engulfing water. His head was covered with seaweeds. You can only imagine seaweeds covering your head. He felt barred forever. But in all of these things, okay, what did God reply? And how did he reply still? First, basically he sends a big fish. There is really an argument as to what kind of fish. Say it's a whale, they say it's just a big fish, and an orca, or any big fish. But it's nothing to do with a fish. Fish is just really the tool that God made. But do you know that God loves you to use fish? He loves it very much as performing miracles in the scriptures. Jonah, uh, catching a large amount amount of fish with Peter and Andrew. Uh, The multiplication of the fish and the bread. If you look at it, fish is very relative to how God works. It's actually healthy for omega-3, I think. There's something good about fish. This may also be why we use fish as an insignia to say we are believers or followers of Jesus Christ. Do you see cars with a this, with this fish sign at the back? And you will know that they are Christians, but then it turns you down because the way he drives? It's kind of a turnoff, right? Cuts you off, overtakes, and then you see the fish. It's like, we have to be careful. Do you also know that God's sense of humor... In the past week, especially for me, until last evening or even this morning about fish. Anything to do with fish and storm. 
thunderstorm. My son last night, uh, Aaron, I, was, I, I came back from uh, like a work. And when I opened the door, I said, Dad, 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 there's a warning. Here you go. There's a warning. <laughs> I was actually asked by Reg, are you ready? I'll be ready. I'll continue on. There's nothing to stop this message. Um, Aaron said, you know, Dad, there's a, there's a warning of a, uh, in eastern Ontario about the tornado. And then I said, okay, what, then what can we do? Starting, we can do. If it comes by, it comes by. It destroys your house, and that's it. But really, there's nothing stopping from what is going to happen in a tornado, in anything that will pass through our life. The only thing is to hold on and pray. Um, that's one of them. At, in the office, somebody microwave fish. I used to, I used to, used to I mean, I always bring food from the house. My wife's cooking and everything, and really seldom fish. So they smell my food, so wonderful and everything. Oh, who cooked your food? But this time, really somebody, it's, it's a fish. And they looked at me. <laughs> it's not mine, I said. But they got used to me bringing food. Really, the smell was really so bad that, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know what kind of cooking was it, but anyways. But it reminded me again about the message. There's fish. The storm this morning. Um, the breakfast we had this morning is fish. So everything was kind of relating to the message of today. And it's really how ironic it is. But as I said, this is nothing to do with the fish or the storm. It has something to do with God's work on Jonah and how we and Christ himself went through with this message. With all of this, Jonah's realization, our R in Coaster, is that the Lord answered his prayer, protected him, Put him in a place wherein you'll be amazed. It's inside, you're inside a fish. You can only imagine what is going on. There's no, there, there are no flashlights at that time. There are no um, you know, oil to, to burn fire. But how was he protected? You can only imagine how miraculous God put him into that place. And yet survived. The Lord listened to his cry. He was in the fish, or even outside, in the waters. The Lord listened to his cry. And then he was brought back up from the pit. Realization, reformation, and recommitment. He was ebbing or fading away from, from his life. Um, he remembered, you know, the response is, he remembered to pray to the Lord. He even gave advice about, you know, people clinging to worthless idols. And that's where the Reformation comes in. What did he say? We will forfeit God's grace if we do that. 
And at the very end, he claimed and declared, salvation comes from the Lord. In 2.7, or chapter 2, verse 7, when Jonah said, My life is ebbing away, I remember the Lord. We often do it the same way in our lives, with our lives. When life is going well, we tend to, to take God for granted. But when we lose hope, we cry out to him. This is the merry-go-round relationship. It's a merry-go-round type of relationship with God. We're up, we're fine, no God. We're down, we're not fine, God please. We need to look to God during both the good and the bad times, and we will have a strong spiritual life. With our personal reflection, I, I got this actually uh, reference from the Serendipity Bible, which is really neat, because they give you advices and tricks, and not really tricks, but a really good way of analyzing the Bible. On a personal reflection, how does this story relate to your spiritual journey? And you have choices. Where we are now, it's like a gauge where we can check where we are. I have been in the pit. We've been in trouble. I am in the pit. You can ask that to yourselves. I am trying to fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. Trying. Trying. But are you really doing something? Trying sometimes is not enough. We have to step up and do something. I have recently realized that salvation comes, comes from God alone and nothing else or no one else. We depend so much on people around us. We depend so much on the work we have. We depend so much on what people will say. We depend so much on the evaluation of our bo uh, bosses at work. We depend so much on, on things that's very tangible and then when it's out of our picture... It's gone as well. Maybe that's the reason why God is invisible. So that we will always be dependent and be stronger on him. And this is where faith comes in. Another personal reflection. What have we found helpful in turning back to God? Is it prayer? Is it confession? Is it the Bible study? Church attendance? It doesn't mean about, you know, it's being present with other believers. That's what, I, what it means. Not just the attendance. But sometimes, you know, you'll be encouraged by, when you're here in the church, you'll be encouraged by when you, what you see in, in, in the church with your colleagues, with, with the, uh, our fellow Christian believers. Or lastly, obedience to God's word. What, is, what can help us to turn to God? It could be other things that's not listed here. 
Is it some, somebody who, who's been guiding and praying for you, whether she or he is like thousands of miles away? Uh, is it your family? Is it somebody that you saw on the side of the road, you know, asking for money and, and, and that you feel that you're blessed and suddenly, wow, I need to turn back to God and be thankful of what I have. I don't know if you know about the story about a, a child complaining to his dad on um, not having shoes. He's complaining and, you know, about, you know, dad, I don't have any new shoes, new shoes. So the dad was, you know, so, he, he just did something. He, he brought his child to a place where children have no feet. And therefore, to compare, you don't have a shoe, you have shoes, but these kids don't have feet to stand on. We ask so much sometimes, but actually we're missing the point that it's just right in front of us. And we're missing that. Now with all these things as to how Jonah responded. Jonah responded in a really perfect way. He ran back to God. And that's what God wants us to do. Christian reflection for us. Where is Jesus in this message? In anything that we do in terms of Bible studies or messages, whether it's from the Old Testament or the New Testament or the epistles, gospels, what we need to always ask the question is, what is the relationship of that, of that topic or message to our Lord Jesus Christ? It's a lesson learned from what I learned from the past about being theocentric. God's center, and our God is Jesus Christ. Where is Jesus Christ in this message? Three days and three nights in Matthew, Jonah's experience was used by Jesus Christ himself as an illustration of Christ's death and resurrection. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so was the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of of the earth. Jesus, Jesus talking. Three days after his death, Jesus came back to life just as Jonah was given a new chance at life after three days in the fish. Very relative to our Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer. Jonah was praying, being thankful, and everything. I like the Lord's Prayer, John 17. Nothing, for me, nothing can beat that prayer. The way he prayed, he prayed for three things. First part of the prayer is prayer for himself to be glorified so that the Father, the Father will be glorified as well. From this prayer, we learn that the world is a tremendous battleground where the forces under Satan's power and those under God's authority are at war. Jesus prayed for his disciples, that's the second point, including those of us who follow him today. He prayed that God would keep his chosen believers safe from Satan's power, setting them apart and making them pure, holy, uniting them through his truth. 
For th a third point, commitment. Surely there's no question that Jesus Christ committed his life for our sins without grudging. So the word commitment is Jesus Christ. If you want to find a definition of commitment, Jesus Christ. What is commitment? Commitment means a willingness to be unhappy for a while. Again, commitment means a willingness to be unhappy for a while. Another example of the word commitment. Charles Krieg, in his illustration of a college, uh, a college man, walked into a, photo, a photo, photography studio with a framed picture of his girlfriend. He wanted the picture duplicated. So, uh, boys, if you have the picture of your girlfriends, we think of many, many things. We don't want to, miss that, to, to lose that, so we want to duplicate things. This is what he's doing. This involves removing it from the frame, and in doing so, the studio owner noticed the inscription at the back of the photograph, and it says, My dearest Tom, I love you with all my heart. I love you more and more each day. I will love you forever and ever. I am yours for all eternity. Wow. It was signed, Diane. Then it contained a PS. Can somebody remind me the word PS? What is PS? Post scripture. Okay. In, in Tagalog, it's called pahabul sulat. It's a different term. It says in the PS, if we ever break up, I want this picture back. <laughs> With all the words of promises, the words of love and forever and ever and eternity and everything like that, at the end, can I get my picture back when we break up? It's kind of weird and funny, but it's what it is. We who have been baptized have professed our love for God and for others. We belong to Jesus Christ. There is no P.S. In our life given to God, we can never break up with Him. We are His. We belong to Him. No P.S. There's no return or exchange, just one way, and that's Jesus Christ. Lastly, salvation. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus Christ is the reason Savior. When Jonah got out from the belly of the fish and then to Nineveh uh, to preach God's message, he saw the city repent. And that would be for the next messages. But in contrast, after Jesus came to his people, they refused to repent. Jesus in Matthew, as we read earlier, that his resurrection will prove he is the Messiah 
and he is the savior so what should be our response do we run from from god or do we run to god the connectors from and to make a big difference the connectors from and to contrasts each other the connectors from and to is actually life or death to close a miracle of deliverance has taken place to get jonah to what god has commanded him to do jonah as a prophet is obligated to do god's word but tried to escape his responsibilities after deliverance he pledged to keep his vows jonah's story started with a tragedy but a greater tragedy would have happened if god had allowed jonah to keep running is that right If let's say God did not send a fish a big fish as a tool to protect him what do you think will happen to him there will be more tragedies there will be more people hurt there will be more negative things that can happen that will affect other people when we know God wants us to do something Let us not run. God may not stop us as he did to Jonah. It is actually better for us or for God to himself stop us and hold on to us whether it's painful or not rather than other people or other circumstances we may be in and there will be more tragedy to happen may the lord bless us with his words now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only god our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen.